HR teams on their own can only do so much. You can gather a bunch of data and try and work out what to do with it. But really to make meaningful behavioural change throughout the organisation, it needs to be far more than just the HR teams. For a long time, workers have been taken for granted. It's great to see now that companies are starting to realise they do need to find ways to have an engaged workforce to attract them. You can consciously look and build a diverse team. And the next step is then to train people to take the benefit of that diversity. So not thinking, oh, we tick the boxes. No, we're going to make use of all those differences. This is Forces for Good, a podcast from B-Lab, the nonprofit network powering the global B Corp movement. Forces for Good takes a hard look at how businesses are helping to solve the biggest social and environmental challenges of our time. I'm your host, Irving Chan Gomez. On our podcast, you'll hear from B Corp leaders, as well as industry experts and change makers will tell you about what companies are doing to move beyond buzzwords and change destructive practices across industries. We'll ask tough questions to uncover how we can truly drive positive impact for people and the planet. So much of what makes up a good business is external. They promote the positive impact of goods and services to customers, they put out PR statements about their purpose, and they make commitments that shareholders and customers call for. But what about the people who make a company run? How can companies ensure that workers are satisfied, share their sense of purpose, and have opportunities to grow? In this episode, We'll explore company cultures and what businesses are doing to understand the needs of workers and maintain a value and dedicated workforce. We'll hear from businesses that facilitate worker engagement for other companies, as well as organizations that are thinking outside the box to create a positive work environment. Sustaining an engaged workforce is imperative in order for business to be a force for good. Companies have to keep workers informed, give them the opportunity to express their views, and truly show them that they're valued. What kind of work environment do you want? How do you want to receive feedback, get assignments, and collaborate? How do you want the company you work for to respond to social and environmental issues around you? The idea or the area that really took off for us early was a concept around employee engagement surveys. So helping to give voice to employees, helping organizations and particularly HR teams to understand what's working well, what's not, and where they should focus their energy to create better places to work. And I think we've since used that as a bit of a launching pad into a whole heap of different areas. Doug English is the founder and chief technology officer of Culture Amp an organization that helps businesses become better places to work. When they started, Tog and his co-founders were stuck at companies that constantly disappointed them. 
One day, while commiserating about everything that was wrong with their workplaces, it hit them. The kind of place they wanted to work for was a company that created better workplaces for everyone. I think for me, probably one of the big ambitions at the time was that I wanted to build the kind of company that I would like to work for. And I also wanted to do something that was kind of bigger than just us, like something where we were kind of deeply contributing to, to something more meaningful. Culture Amp started by offering engagement surveys. Doug explains that surveys help to give employees a voice within an organization. And while surveys are a great place to start, Culture Amp has continued to build worker engagement through newer tools to give feedback, learn new skills, track goals, and create deeper relationships between managers and employees. I think starting with engagement has actually worked really well in terms of helping us to build some really deep benchmarks into a whole heap of different organizations across lots of different industries and quite literally across the globe. And it's helped us to see what are the recurring themes, what are the recurring challenges that people have, and helped us to identify what are some of the things that we can have the biggest impact in, in the aim of creating more engaged employee workforces and having a bigger impact on the experience of employees and then, then also on the companies. Culture Amp works with major companies, from SoulCycle to McDonald's. They're able to pull data from these international organizations to spot trends and see what drives workers. And I think particularly over the last decade has been a big shift from organizations realizing that their people are an important asset and that there is a really important symbiotic relationship there where if you can create growth opportunities and supportive environments for employees, that they will do amazing work and, and create great companies and, and there'll be really impactful business outcomes. In recent years, Doak has also noticed employees demanding more from their employers. There's already much deeper expectation on employers than there was even, say, 10 years ago. Employees are now you know, expecting organizations to have a position on some of the, the social justice policies or social justice topics that are coming up. There's a much deeper expectation that employers will have a solid plan on how they deal with the climate crisis and how they think about their footprint on the planet. And I think there's a much deeper expectation that employers will work with employees around a bunch of these things and employees want to have a part to play in holistically how they think about their lives and how they, how they have a positive impact on their communities. Doug says Culture Amp wants to attract these kinds of people that have opinions about where they work and will push their company and leadership to do better. Culture Amp became a certified B Corporation five years ago at the suggestion of an employee. In some ways, I think the most powerful part about becoming a B Corp is really just having a scorecard, essentially a way of being able to demonstrate to ourselves and to our employees that we are walking the walk, not just talking the talk. So I think it has definitely helped us a lot in terms of hiring and hiring the right types of people, as in the more mission-aligned people that, that I think are going to be a much better fit within Culture Amp. 
You might remember Bernard Goh from our episode on living wage. He's the senior manager of social standards at B-Lab. When we say worker engagement, we refer to the state of an engaged workforce. What we mean by that is essentially, I think the, the quickest way to define it is that workers have a positive connection with their jobs and their employer. And what exactly does that mean? Well, a few things that come to mind are a sense of motivation, commitment, satisfaction, and crucially, a sense of shared purpose. Workers deserve to be engaged in their job, and mission-driven organizations can leverage employee engagement to push further into its shared purpose. It's about everyone in the company being bought in and in harmony working towards that bigger purpose. And so for those kinds of companies, worker engagement isn't just about happier workers, it's also about achieving the bigger purpose altogether. That is why B Corp certification includes standards relating to worker engagement. The B Corp movement is all about changing the purpose of business, business as a force for good, business to maximize stakeholder value, not shareholder value. So there's an incentive to have an engaged workforce. Workers are stakeholders in a company. Other stakeholders include customers, suppliers, local communities, and even shareholders. Most businesses are used to operating in a system that maximizes profit for shareholders with little regard for these other groups. Now, many businesses, especially B Corps, are moving toward a system of stakeholder value. They want to maximize value for everyone, not just shareholders. Currently, we have worker engagement satisfaction as part of our, our standards. So we have questions that ask about whether companies have worker satisfaction surveys. And we break that down. We, we also look at the added components of that. For example, are those surveys or do those surveys provide disaggregated data, for example, gender disaggregated, disaggregated data, so that you can see the difference between satisfaction levels of men and women or between other important groups. An important part of that is for any kind of survey that's being done or for any kind of data collection process that a company has, they have to share back with workers what the results are and what's being done with those results. Doug told us that Culture Amp's engagement surveys have shown businesses changing since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. Bernard points out to similar trends. For a long time, workers have been taken for granted. And it's been very interesting to see with the pandemic how priorities have changed for workers. Today, while hiring, businesses are more likely to make the case to potential employees that they are mission-driven and working to make a difference. It's great to see now that companies are starting to realize they can't take workers for granted and that they do need to find ways to have an engaged workforce to attract them. By looking into employee engagement, we're also able to lift up equity considerations in the workplace and, more broadly, social issues like the wage gap and childcare. 
So men prefer having jobs where they can get a bigger salary, but they have less flexibility in terms of time, often higher demands in terms of working overtime, for example. Women, on the other hand, prefer jobs where there is flexibility. Now, I use the word prefer with care because for a lot of women, sure, they're opting into jobs where there's flexibility, for example, working part-time. But the reason why they're opting into those kinds of jobs is because care responsibilities, domestic household responsibilities, disproportionately fall on women. Monique Tersmet and Jasmine Huang Kiang call themselves business humanizers. They think their company, Innate Motion, is ahead of the curve on many of the trends we've seen since the beginning of the pandemic. Here's Monique. From the start, we had that desire to be global with a small team. And then we ended up with a few principles. We said, we are brickless, meaning no offices, no buildings. We are borderless. Anyone can operate from wherever in the world. We are bossless. There is no hierarchy. It's people taking their responsibility and being all little entrepreneurs. And then after a few years, this all started uh, 16 years ago. And after a few years, we always added, and yes, we are B Corp. From inception, Innate Motion has been a remote company. They illustrate a lot of the worker engagement suggestions Bernard and Doug made. They call themselves a global purpose agency. Innate Motion's mission is to help businesses better connect with their stakeholders. Jasmine explains the relationship they're trying to build. So in the journey, we also encourage clients themselves to speak to their customers. Actually, we don't use the word customers. We use the word people they want to serve because in the end of the day, people who buy their products, their brands, they are the human beings. So they are the people they want to serve. Jasmine has been at Innate Motion for 14 years. Over that time, she says she's seen progress in the company's mission to humanize business, not just with the companies they work with, but internally as well. So every three years, they're actually refreshing the style guide, they're refreshing the tools. They try to really look at what's the trend outside in the society, what's the movement, what's the new movement for the category, and what's really need to be solved as a societal issue. So what do we care the most? So based on those different factors, then we change the tools, change our narrative, and also change the way, the methodology, how do we help clients to be more human? So that's why I felt the a lot of stimulation along the journey. And also because what you mentioned about the diversity of culture and also different generation, I also felt I learned so much from different culture. I gain a lot of different insights from different generations as well. Internally, Innate Motion works hard to maintain a positive and collaborative work environment. They block out time for things like coaching, feedback, and team building. And they do it all a little bit differently. So we don't have systems to check upon people. We only have systems to open the curtains to open the door and and tell all the others, this is what I contributed. Can you now take it from here? And sometimes we even make use of that time zone uh, differences. 
by working all together. So someone in Asia starts for something that needs to be done with a short deadline. Someone in Asia starts, someone in Europe takes over, builds on it, looks at all the comments put in there, and then someone in uh, the uh, Americas zone tries to finish it. It's beautiful. But that can only be if people are ready for that full transparency, full openness, and ready to collaborate, ready to do an effort and understand what the previous person did, even though there was no moment where you could hand over face-to-face or hand over in a video call. Jasmine says a culture of feedback and open communication is critical for employee engagement, especially in an organization that works with and for people from all over the world. Feedback culture is really to encourage everyone to talk and to have a side conversation and also to be honest about your feelings towards each other, not only professionally and also on personality. And the why to be honest on each other's personality is extremely important because we're all from different culture, from Asia, even in Asia, within Asia region, we have Indonesian, Chinese, Thai, not really Thai, but Dutch, based in Thailand, and Vietnamese, used to have a Vietnamese. And then can you imagine also with the European from all different kinds of European countries and then American? Majority of us, we don't speak native English. We really believe the power of talking is extremely important. Don't write a long email. Email should be short. If you really cannot fix in your writing of the email, then talk. You need to talk to each other. Otherwise, there will be a lot of misunderstanding. Then you hold back your emotion, your anger, your frustration. We are still learning, improving. We are not perfect yet. It's not easy to build such a strong human culture within a remote environment. Importantly, Jasmine also shares how by optimizing processes for work, they can use their time together to connect and engage in more meaningful ways, beyond just progress updates. We have weekly catch-up call. So the topic is normally around the frustration, the joys we have in the team, of course, plus other agenda on the projects, on the work we do. So if I have... Uh, frustration with Monique and I will share with everyone that's my frustration and then she annoys me this 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 and then that's my struggle hi guys I don't know how to solve it then people will jump in to help to give a solution or they will say hey Monique is Dutch she talks like this and then actually what she means is this this so that help people to clarify the misunderstanding cultural misunderstanding and then of course we also encourage people say hey why don't you Go back to Monique or go back to Jasmine, have a call and to talk about your feelings, make sure she understands. It also highlights how different contexts can impact workers' ability to show up. In an average office, people go to the coffee machine and they talk there about the World Cup or about the war. They have these moments where they uh, talk. We don't per se have moments where we talk at the coffee machine, but we do take conscious time every meeting that we start to land to recognize that we're there to recognize that Jasmine might have had a sleepless night because of young children in the household we talk about that and then we move to now let's do business 
Monique says the last is important because it trains people to listen. And by listening, companies will be able to truly understand and capitalize on the value of diverse teams. You can consciously look and build a diverse team. And the next step is then to train people to take the benefit of that diversity. So not thinking, oh, uh, we tick the boxes. No, we're going to make use of all those differences. So we reach out to people simply because they are younger. I'm one of the oldest in the company, so I often reach out to people from other generations asking their perspective simply because I cannot see what young people see. I can't look through their eyes. It's better to listen to them. Same for all the cultural differences. So be aware of the fact that you are just one tiny little dot in the world and you need all the other dots and their perspective to complete your picture. But that requires that you realize that you are such a such a tiny element in the end. Some modesty is important to be able to listen to other people. This approach to employee engagement is different in the sense that it focuses on building relationships, which means caring for one another and being genuinely invested in each other's success. And then we really need to train to be very transparent, to be very open to be very curious to care for each other and make sure that in that constellation of everyone more or less being on their own in their own country that no one ever feels lonely and that takes a lot takes a lot of care far beyond the level that in an average professional organization uh, care for each other we do care for each other monique and jasmine agree that companies have to not only hire diverse teams, but they also have to facilitate relationships. Through empathy with other people, it's like exercising. We, we sometimes call it empathy fitness. You need to really train that empathy as a muscle, as your condition, because it seems easier for people to lean back and to relax and find that comfortable position and not pay attention anymore because they are so much at ease with themselves. But that doesn't allow others to flourish as well. So if you have as an ambition to let everyone grow and develop, you need to all work very hard to make that happen. Driving change in a workplace and the relationship building that Monique and Jasmine have described is not easy. Doug from Culture Amp agrees that everyone in an organization needs to drive change, especially leadership. HR teams on their own can only do so much. And yes, you can run, you know, you can run a performance cycle, you can run an engagement survey cycle, you can gather a bunch of data and try and work out what to do with it. But really to make meaningful behavioral change throughout the organization, it needs to be far more than just the HR teams. We really see managers in particular as being the fulcrum for driving change within organizations. One way they can do that is by engaging with employees in one-on-one meetings. Culture Amp facilitates this and gives employees the opportunity to flag that they're not feeling like they can grow or they're not feeling cared for at work. I think historically, one-on-ones are typically a tool that 
managers often would use to get a status update on what's happening on projects like what's gone right, what hasn't, where are the blockers, how can I remove blockers? And what we've done with our one-on-one tool is we've we've actually tried to focus it on a, on some deeper things. So before getting into any forms of status updates, you know, having the employee focus on basically some sliders around how are they feeling about their well-being, how are they feeling about their work relationships, their productivity, those sorts of things, and then using that to drive deeper conversations. What Culture Amp and Innate Motion are doing is sparking conversations and giving companies opportunities and tools to do better. According to Bernard, while there is a business case for worker engagement, it shouldn't just be about that. Oftentimes, organizations will define worker engagement as, well, it's positive connection that workers have with their jobs, and therefore they go the extra mile. They're sneaking in the business case for the company to showcase, okay, if you do work engagement, workers are more productive. Even if that's true, I don't think that's part of the inherent definition of work engagement, certainly not the reason why work engagement is important. If we agree that businesses should be accountable to a wide range of stakeholders, then employee engagement should be about recognizing how value beyond compensation is created for workers. It's about balance and it's about being productive whilst taking care of people whilst making sure that their physical mental health is being looked after and whilst they're also satisfied with their jobs. So I do think that balance is a key word here. We can talk also a little bit about this idea of going the extra mile. I think to, to clarify why I dislike it, it's not that going the extra mile is inherently bad. I, in my job, I go the extra mile, I think every now and then because I enjoy my job and I like I like what I'm doing. The problem is, you know, and I've spent a lot of years working doing labor assessments, is that this is a slippery slope. You know, there are so many ways in which companies are unfortunately exploiting people and, and making them do more than they should. So that's why I approach this with, with caution. Again, it's not inherently bad, but because it's so often a way of exploiting people, I think it's best to avoid any initiative that seeks to do this as an outcome. Our guest today made me think of employee engagement as a relationship between a core stakeholder, workers, and businesses. Moreover, businesses have control to make a positive impact on workers today. As such, employee engagement can and should be an act of care. Care not only about the value that workers provide to the business, but the value that businesses create for workers. So, as people continue to seek purpose-driven work and recognize the importance of balance in our lives, I want to encourage companies that truly want to be a force for good to ask themselves. Is our relation to our workers simply a transactional business arrangement or is it one of true care for them, not just as workers, but as people?
If you'd like to learn more about B Corps and purpose-driven businesses, visit bcorporation.net and listen to the rest of our season. We have more episodes on how business can drive positive impact and be a force for good. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever you listen. Your ratings and reviews help Forces for Good reach new audiences, so we thank you for your support. For more opportunities to engage with us, follow us on social media. The views and opinions expressed are those of the interviewees and do not reflect the positions or opinions of the producers or any affiliated organizations. The podcast was brought to you by B-Lab. Our team includes Sherry Jordan, Jude Weatherall, and Hannah Munger. Forces for Good is produced by Human Group Media. For this episode, I'd like to thank Doug English, Monique Tersmet, Jasmine Huang Kian, and Bernard Go. I'm your host, Irving Chan Gomez. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to catching you in the next episode.